This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Today, an interesting book, interesting author. The title of the book, Insane. The author, authoress, Terry E. Lyle. Terry, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. Fascinating title. What in the world is that all about, Insane? Well, the book is about things that people really speak behind closed doors, and they don't want people to know about their little indiscretions or whatever. But, you know, when you hear it, you say, wow, man, that's insane. Really? <laughs> is this a tell-all book by any chance? Oh, it, it, yeah, it speaks to a lot of people's uh, indiscretions and things that, you know, we are too ashamed to admit we felt stupid or embarrassed by. So, you know, I put it out there because I'm a firm believer that if you realize that you're not unique and we all go through the same crap, then maybe you can, like, you know, let let it go, move past it, and start your personal healing process instead of being, you know, stuck with well, your own emotional baggage that we all have some. Well, that's absolutely true. A lot of folks uh, run into brick walls once in a while and make mistakes, stub their toes, and you've addressed this straight on. In fact, some of this is church-related, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, by me being a Bible school teacher and my dad and grandparents were ministers, you know, I'm a preacher's kid. So I've seen how it feels to be inside of the home of a minister, opposed to being in a congregation, idolizing someone up there like they're bigger than life, you know. So, you know, a lot of times I address Christians because people don't get it that just because you're a Christian does not mean that you know, you don't have any flaws and you don't do anything wrong. That's because Satan knows that the people who are out here messing up, you don't need to worry about those. He's trying to get those who's focused and looking towards seeking God's face. So we come on attack a little bit harder. But, you know, there's some Christian people who act so, you know, like they're holier than thou that they run people away from the church. So I just stop the madness. I just smack her in the face of the truth. The truth is what it is. <laughs> You've addressed things even uh, as widespread as AIDS. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And the reason why is because a lot of people think it's a homosexual disease or a drug user disease. But, you know, people, children, babies, people with blood transfusion, you know, anybody can catch AIDS. And we need to be more conscious of our health and our practices, what we do, if it got to be doing things like, you know, sharing needles if we're into drugs. We just got to be careful and just let it know that, you know, the love don't change, but AIDS is a reality that we got to work on killing that disease and putting it back into oblivion where it belongs. I absolutely agree with that. You've got some beautiful photographs in here, too. Are they family members? They sure are. <laughs> I use the opportunity to put my grandkids and stuff in my books. And the reason I did that is because I felt like once I'm dead and gone and my grandkids are mature adults and got families they own and they look back and see themselves, they say, wow, that was me. I was in grandma's book. So I'm trying to leave a legacy of love. 
and this is not your first book. How many books have you written? Oh, I've written eight books, and I'm currently working on books nine and ten. Amazing. Uh, why did you get motivated to write this book? What motivated you? Well, this is like something that I wanted to do. I wanted to at least put out two books per year. But the original thing is I started writing. Uh, my first book came out December 17th. 2008, and that was motivated by me going to a funeral of my aunt. So when I saw my relatives there, the ones who have lost their mother and grandmother, you know, I'm just a cousin. They treated us so well, and they was doing so good, had fantastic jobs. And I was living large on a workman's comp check, and I was saying, I could do something better than this. So I asked the Lord, what can I do? Not that the Lord spoke to me, but I felt like he was telling me, well, you always ran your mouth once you write it down. And I happened to hear a radio segment with Steve Harvey, the comedian, and he was saying people are jealous of him because of what he has accomplished. But anybody who can do something well, that's your God-given talent, so work it out. So, And that became, became my prolific uh, career as a writer. And uh, I love using uh, my title, Authorist, because a lot of people don't realize that term came out in the 15th century and it distinguished that I am a female writer, so now a lot of people catch no one else switching from being author to authoress. Well, it's a distinction for sure, and you don't blame all of your writing on God then? Oh, I don't blame God for nothing. I mean, <laughs> I just write about life, real-life situations. I mean, God is, is my blessing, you know. <laughs> I don't blame Him for anything. I just write about life because somebody got to tell the truth. If, if anything else, God is my blessing and motivation that you know, I have the ability to be very transparent with my style of writing that when people read it, they say, yeah, I can relate to that. Because a lot of time I do different festivals and speak different places, and people come up and they read my book and say, wow, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, and they'd be so excited because it's, they think it's someone that they know. Because when you look at life, we're all the same, man. We've got the same struggles, you know. Absolutely. Do any of your books, have you done any nonfiction, I mean, anything besides nonfiction? Oh, uh, yes, I have done fiction, uh, but my books all have a hint of truth to them. But I do have two particular books, uh, straight nonfiction. That's Peeling Back the Mask. That was book number seven. And book number five, which was the autobiography of Henry Parham, a minister of my church. Yes. But these other books, I don't like to call them fiction because, you know, some things I might put in there that's whimsical that I made up in my mind. So I just call it a blend. Now, the book Insane has a lot of poetic verses in it. Anything that, that you like to read for us today? Oh, sure. I mean, I pick up my book today, and I just opened it at random, and the page went to, It's Hard to Trust. So I figured that's what I should read. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Okay. It's hard to trust, if you know what I mean. People constantly plotting with thoughts unclean. Every time that you would give an inch, you wish you hadn't trusted that trifling winch. As soon as you open the door, a small crack, someone will hurt you and you close it right back. Wanting to reveal some personal facts, but you decide against it and hold it back. It's hard to trust the people that are true because pain has been afflicted by the people you knew. People spread lies about things they don't know is why genuine affection people prudently show. No one wants to have a bad reputation because gospel could spread all over the nation. It's hard to trust, if you know what I mean. Be very wise and be very keen. Excellent. Any, of your, any of your verses been put to uh, to music or rap? 
Not yet, and I'm looking into that. I know one of my different books, someone wanted to make a screenplay out of it. So I have a lot of things in the fire I'm looking forward to. So uh, so far, not to rap, but I got a lot of stuff they can rap about. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, describe the process of writing a book. How do you go about putting a book together? You've obviously become very prolific. How's that process start? Okay, basically, with me, I might just be sitting at a traffic light or something, and I might have a thought, just a phrase in my mind, and I'll just like, oh, wow, and I'll write it down on a piece of paper, envelope or something. And then when I get home, it's like sewing. I'll take one little paragraph or something or one little thought, and then I'll just thread something to that. You know, I'll just keep adding to that. Or I'll just add my thoughts that come in my mind at random, and I'll just put them down. You know, and then when I finish the process, then I'll create chapters if it's a novel, or I'll just, a book of poetry, I'll just write it down. But I'll just be threading, I'll just be threading different thoughts together. I'll start with one thing, and I'll just thread something to that, and then it just evolves into whatever it evolves into. Well, the book Insane, how long did it take you to put this one together? Oh, really not long at all. Maybe a total process from writing it to being produced maybe three months. I think wow. the book was completed in a month because sometimes things just spit out of you. And I know for me personally, if I'm happy or if I'm irritated, different emotions that we feel will dictate the things that I write about. And I'll just expand on that. It's like therapy. You know, if uh, my grandkids uh, agitate me, I'll say, hmm. And then I'll just have a thought and I'll just keep writing it and keep adding on to it, you know. Or if I'm feeling happy, I'll just start doing it, you know, and sometimes in conversations, like with you, I might say, wow, I talked to this guy on the phone, and he didn't even know that I was gone, riding down the street, doing my thing, but all of a sudden, I say, hey, you know, and then I start adding to that, you know, and it's just one of my abilities. Well, I may show up in one of your books. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll put you in one, trust me. <laughs> uh, this book, there, I'm sure, are some inspirational thoughts in here. You've already read one. What do you want readers to take away from your work? What I like readers to understand when they uh, read my book is that, wow, you know, this female, she really understands the core essence of people's emotions. And a lot of times things that happen in your life, it makes you feel like, wow, this has got me blocked. I can't move on. You know, like sometimes, like this poem, Age, you know, people feel like, oh, afflicted, I can't move on. Or someone who's been abused or battered or someone molested, you know, I just want somebody to know, baby, you're not the only one that's been hurt. But it's time to, like, move on. Don't stay trapped in your emotional baggage because we all are dealing with the same issues. And I want people to know that they're not unique. Whatever you're going through, I don't care whether you're you living high or you're living low, somebody can relate to your problems, you know, and it's like an easy dialogue. Somebody can read my book and say, wow, she gets me. You can read some things in your book that might have a negative connotation, but the end result is you're instilling hope in the reader. Exactly, exactly, exactly. How is this book different from others in the marketplace? Well, a lot of the books in the marketplace, uh, they are bougie. And, and I say bougie because poetry books, uh, a lot of people use a lot of adjectives like the wind is billowing through the trees and all that crap. 
nobody really want to hear about. If I'm going to say, look, I saw a tree, the branch fell off, dag, it's all over the road. I just want to keep it real, and that's who I am. I've always had that ability to relate to anybody on their level. I don't care what cultural background that you come from. I'm able to be observant and listen and feel your heart when you're speaking. And that's what I listen with my heart, not with my ears. When things come in my ear, it's just coming in to marinate inside my heart. And I try to relate to your emotions. And I try to connect to a more spiritual level so that the end result is that, you know, you can see in me that I'm just real. I'm not phony. And I write in a way that is so transparent that it makes you feel like, wow, man, I like that because... It's not bougie. It's not phony. It's not like the crap that you read that's for hype. Or you, you know, everything you read in my book is so clearly written that it's not pretentious that you get the idea like, well, yeah, I'm feeling that, you know. What was the most fun part of putting this together? Besides the pictures and the photos, I'm sure that was a big part of it. The most fun was uh, pretty much just uh, telling the story and trying to figure out who not to talk about because some people you know <laughs> I don't want to put them on front street I'll just say that but <laughs> the most fun to me was I used a section here where I allowed in the appendix for some friends to uh, put their work in there and they are so out of, out of the box you know like one friend of mine she suffered from depression and she wrote a story about how she saw mice talking to her and how she was just tripping and it was just funny reading it and I said you know because she was sharing her life and I knew that if someone else heard it they would say wow man I go through that too because I'm on depression medication or blah 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 so that was the funny part you know letting someone else be open enough to expose their emotions in my book that's great I think that's a wonderful idea should make it a very engaging read well Terry in addition to writing books you're doing some other things aren't you Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm my own radio host. I have a show called Authors Corners, which is via the Internet. I have a global listening audience from Australia to the United Kingdom, Canada, Pakistan, uh, United States, of course, and Africa, and steadily growing. And what I do is I have a platform for different writers to come on my show, and we can get comfortable, and we can talk about your books and how to get your books, and you can read something from your books. That will give the listeners an opportunity to see what your book is about. So it's via the Internet from the WMEL 104.1 DJ Mel Entertainment Radio, Authorist Corners, with your host, Authorist Terry Lyle. Well, thanks for sharing that, Terry. Anytime, anytime. The title again is Insane Writer, Authorist, Terry E. Lyle. Thank you, Terry, for joining us today. I've enjoyed visiting with you. Where can we get a copy of your book? Oh, you can get my book from Author House. You can get my book from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go to my personal website, which is www.terrylyle.com, or any local retailers is there. Fabulous, fabulous job uh, explaining how to get in touch. I appreciate that very much, Terry. Thank you for joining us today. Have a good day. For Author House Publications, this is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. 
why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Juliana is a marriage, family, and child therapist who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you. Here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on the show and Juliana, check out her webpage. Connect with Juliana in media.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune into Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, High Tide at Midnight, Quid Pro Quo. And the author is Herb Stevens, and Herb joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Herb. Hello, how are you today? Great to have you with us. An adventure comedy, you call it. Uh, We're going to poke fun in some ways about obesity, overweight, folks, but what you're trying to, you got a bigger message than just poking fun, don't you? Yes, I do. I have a message where if people are a little dissatisfied with their current situation, uh, all is not lost. In other words, if they're in a bad relationship, uh, there's a wide open ocean, wide open countries out there where you can go to and establish a new relationship. So the world is before us all, and uh, you like to sail, and this book is going to have some of those adventures because of, obviously we've already said this is an adventure comedy, and uh, this is, uh, the title says it all, High Tide, there's something going on with uh, sailing. So why don't you, uh, first of all though, why don't you tell us about your background, Herb, and how this book came about? Okay, I've been in the hotel business uh, since 1962, so a long time. I've owned about 20 hotels, and uh, when you own hotels, you find a lot of time where you have time on your hands because you're behind the desk or wherever, and you're waiting for people. And and uh, I had a cousin that was a fairly famous writer, and, and I kind of, hopefully, I received a few of his genes, and... Uh, so I uh, have been writing for a number of years, and uh, I guess this book came out 
mainly because I sell hotels currently in the South. I sell in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Florida. And, you know, in my sales, I really noticed, especially in those states, a lot of overweight people. So I felt there needed to be a message sent uh, to help some of those people. So this is kind of a self-help book in a way, but I disguise the weight loss part in the way of um, uh, making it an adventure comedy. So uh, we're teaching at the same time. We're uh, showing the world that if they are overweight, there is something they can do about it. Well, give us an overview of the storyline. Tell us about these five men who are ready for a new life. Okay, we have five joggers in West Palm Beach, Florida. They decide to run most of the time on Palm Beach because they love the trail on Palm Beach, and the homes are really nice on Palm Beach, and so they can... Uh, run amongst these beautiful homes, beautiful setting, and then go back home across the bridge into West Palm. And so they're out running one day, a couple of them, and one of them uh, says he has a surprise to tell the other one at lunch. So he takes him to a local uh, hangout called Hamburger Heaven, and the other guy, Peter, uh, says to Dave, what's your surprise? And Dave says, I've decided Come Christmas Eve, high tide at midnight, I'm going to leave my wife. I've just had it. She's been mean. She's been going out on me. She's just not the wife that I married, and I, I'm just going to do something about it. And so Peter says, do you need a mate? And Dave says, sure, would help with the sales. So at that little meeting, they, two of the five decide they're going to uh, – work on the other three of the runners and see if they could get a real crew. And to make a long story short, by the end of November, all five of them have decided that they're going to uh, secretly put presents under their trees all through December and uh, uh, try as much as possible to escape without their wives knowing about it. And they do actually pull it off. And so Christmas Eve, they throw a big party for their wives, and uh, their wives go to the party. They give them diamond necklaces to go to the party. They're really cubic zirconias, but the wives don't know that. And they leave mannequins <laughs> on their couches, and they take off. <laughs> and they take off. And the, the presents and they it... put under their trees all through December are joke presents. A palm tree blew over. They cut it up into five pieces and wrapped that up. <laughs> One guy had five tires in his garage, and uh, they were bald tires, so they wrapped those up. They went to Home Depot and got some uh, mulch and, and bark, tree bark. They actually, the last day, they actually wrapped up a snake for each uh, household. So they put a lot of joke presents under there. Uh, and so the wives, towards the end of December, started thinking, wow, these husbands are being pretty nice. I better <laughs> start being have a little bit. Well, this so it's a lot of really has... And, and this really has a twist with it, really quite a twist. Uh, I don't know who gets the last laugh here. Well, the women really get the last laugh because the, the men left them high and dry. They left them with mortgages on their houses. In fact, they remortgaged the houses before they left. And so the women are faced with, hey, we either got to do something or we're up a creek. So the women buy a storefront 
down in West Palm where they used to sell swimming suits and towels. And they go to Salvation Army and Goodwill stores, get the finest stuff they have, and they open a shop called uh, Looking New for Less. And then under that sign, Looking New for Less, they hang a plywood pig. And on the pig, they put Pig Repair Shop. So in the back (laughs) of the store, they have a weight loss clinic. And they take their own medicine, and uh, they... uh, publicize the fact that they started this business and they publicly keep track of their own weight loss so other people won't be embarrassed that are overweight to come to their business and uh, they proceed to lose a lot of weight and and find some new husbands yes they do some gem dealers keep coming in from south america and every time they come in they notice these women have lost a little more weight, so they become a, they become their boyfriends, and uh, so it, they kind of um, learned a lot in the process of losing some weight. The dialogue sounds like a lot of fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, there are a few episodes that I I put in the book to make it a little interesting along the way uh on one of the islands they discover one of the men that are wanted by the fbi uh a private eye friend of one of the sailors gave him a brochure on the 10 most wanted people when he left kind of jokingly he said hey if you find one of these men call me up because there's a lot of money reward for the guy (laughs) <laughs> so they get to this one island, and they, they recognize this one guy, and uh, they actually, uh, the guy leaves very early in the morning. He's docked next door to him, but he before he leaves, they're in a restaurant with him, and he mentions he's headed towards the far east where they're going, so uh, they figure they may uh, try to trail him when they get over that way. Well, anyway, make a long story short, they, they run into this guy in Barakai, which is a very beautiful island over a beach area over in the Philippines. And they befriend him, and they make a deal where if he'll give them half a million dollars, they will not turn him into the FBI. And so he becomes their friend, and they actually set him up with a wife as well. So uh, that's kind of a nice little twist to the story as well. So off to the Philippines to look for new wives. Along the way, they, of course, befriend one of the FBI's most wanted men. They also run into pirates. Yes, they do. They run into some pirates. The first group of pirates, they're sailing along Costa Rica, uh, down that way, Venezuela, Costa Rica. And uh, at night, they're anchored because the uh, weather came in on them, and a couple pirates try to climb their anchor rope, but uh, they're pretty well prepared. They're prepared with not guns, but they're prepared with bows and arrows and spears and things. And so they uh, managed to fight those pirates off. And then they Well, as other... we could imagine, if if you're going to sail off into the, the big, big sea, the big wide ocean, you're going to run into storms. Oh, yes. They ran into a few storms. And in one of those storms, uh, one of the wives, this was after they left the Philippines, after they got married to the women, uh, Charmaine, one of the wives, was actually lost at night in a terrible storm. 
and they really thought she was a goner. But fortunately, two dolphins had followed them from the States and had become their pets, and they'd fed them along the way. And uh, so one of the dolphins actually held her up all night long until a ship came along and could rescue her in the morning. So that was kind of a... And then she knew which island they were going to next, so the big ship dropped her off at that island, and when the crew got to that island, she was waiting for them. So they were all rather relieved and very happy to... uh, That was Peter's wife, and Peter was very, very uh, distraught, but finding his wife alive really uh, perked him up a lot. So the humor is very direct. Uh, That's the way you want it. I think so. I mean, we've got, obviously, uh, feelings here about being overweight, but when you stretch it the way you have, this extreme storyline, maybe people will listen and and take some uh, different steps in their lives. Hey, I hope they do, because we all want to look our best and this this book is also about looking good that's why the setting is west palm beach there's a lot of millionaires down in palm beaches and west palm beach and a lot of these poorer people down there work for these millionaires and they see how nice a lot of these millionaires look and they want to keep up with them they don't have the finances to do it but if they take their lives into their own hands try to look their best by losing weight by by uh, that's why the name of the store looking new for less they can still look really nice without having to spend a lot of money on clothes so they can they can keep up with the money people down there without spending a lot of money and you've got some interest by movie producers yes i was very happy about that well any closing thoughts herb none that i can think of except that i think uh, people will enjoy reading this uh, adventure comedy and I do have one thing that I will guarantee anyone my email is in the back of the book and if anybody reads the book and feels they did not get their money's worth all they have to do is email me and it's a hundred percent money back guarantee and that's no joke <laughs> that's no joke that's no joke that is the truth well it's great to have you with us herb stevens the author of his book high tide at midnight quid pro quo herb tell us how to get your book okay the easiest way right now is probably amazon just either put in my name herb stevens with a ph and it'll come right up uh that's probably the easiest way Well, great to have you with us on Author Talk. Well, it was nice being here, and uh, uh, good luck to you, and I hope uh, we meet a lot of people through this interview. Hope we can enrich a lot of lives and and make a lot of people happy in the process and give them a little humor, because we all need a laugh, a good laugh once in a while in our lives. That's the problem with living. We live too fast sometimes, and we don't take time to laugh. But this book will give you that opportunity to take time to have a little humor in your life, laugh a little bit, and at the same time, enjoy life more, hopefully. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. 
Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu, Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown, and after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Avalon Bay, a jewelry hunter thriller, and the author is Ronald Von Fryman, and Ron joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Ron. Hi, how are you doing? Good to be here. Great to have you with us. Yes, this is a novel, and as you put it, the story is not real. The characters are not real, however. And we're going to talk about the however because we're dealing with jihad. We're dealing with extreme uh, radical Islam, and we see it in the news all the time, and you've kind of brought it to life. Well, before we get into the actual uh, plot, learn about the characters. Ron, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you wrote this uh, thriller. This, uh, again, it's fiction, but it could be real life today with all the uh, things that are going on right here in this country that we're not even aware of right at the moment. And it could end up in a very terrible way because of homegrown terrorists. And that's what your novel's about, right? That's correct. It is about that. And uh, my background is, uh, I believe, uh, relevant to be able to write this, this, this novel. Um, and I grew up on the East Coast, and I uh, went to the United States Military Academy at West Point, graduated from there, and uh, went into the Army uh, after graduating from Ranger School, and uh, spent some time in the army, and then uh, opened my left the service and opened my own uh, company in uh, Southern California. Ran that for about 30 years, uh, and then I sold that off and 
went to work for Prudential for a while, and I'm really self, uh, I mean, uh, partially retired right now. Uh, I still retain uh, some relationship with with Prudential, but I I spend most of my time writing. Um, My experiences in the past have led me to understand um, uh, the the concept of the story that I wrote. the um, uh, in the military, I, I learned a lot about terrorism, uh, and uh, then I one of my assignments in the army was with the U.S. Army Behavioral Science Research Laboratory, which was a kind of a u- unique assignment for an army officer, uh, and I uh, was able to see and l- learn and understand firsthand. Uh, the behavior of, of, of folks um, who are in stressful positions uh, that uh, was a focus of that of that uh, organization um, and so when I got down to thinking about writing a book a novel um, I tried to pull all of those together so that I would have uh, a basis to write the book um, I used uh, my experience uh, so that I could bring uh, reality to the book, even though it's a fictional book. And I used the setting in Catalina Island, because I was familiar with that. Uh, And um, I used all those, put them together, and um, was able to pull the book together. I think it's a very good book. And I not only wanted to write a good story, I wanted to have a good read, but I also wanted to convey a message. (coughs) And that message is um, runs through the whole book, and that is uh, we have a threat from uh, fundamentalist Muslim uh, terrorists, and that threat's going to only grow. And uh, my book uh, gets into why that is the case and uh, what it's based on. That's a little bit about myself and how I wrote the book. The Koran, it's a mystery book to most Americans. Uh, of course, the Bible is a mystery book to a lot of Christians that they call themselves because they really haven't studied it, read it. You've studied the Quran. What makes Islam this uh, dangerous side of this so-called peaceful religion that we hear about, but the Quran is nothing but peaceful? That is absolutely correct. It's right on. Um, and a lot of folks, uh, like you said, haven't read the Bible. The Christians haven't read the Bible. A lot of Muslims, bulk of the Muslims, probably haven't read the the Quran. And um, the two books are totally different. Uh, the the Bible is a, is a bunch of stories about Jesus and and Christianity, and it's evolved over the years um, into its current form. The the Quran is not the Muslim Bible. The Quran hasn't changed since it was uh, written. Uh, and it is the precise word of God in the eyes of the Muslim. And, and, and as such, if you are uh, a, a religious Muslim, a believer, you have to follow what the Koran says. And the Koran is far from being a, a peaceful um, uh, 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 document. Um, if you exclude... The vast bulk of the of the of the Quran, which talks about uh, God loves you and you love God, and versions of that on back and forth. The other the other portions of the Quran, laced through the whole book, talk about what a Muslim must do to fulfill the will of God in their eyes, which is to make the world Muslim. And that's that is why we have the issues we have today. 
and not necessarily do it peacefully to make the world Muslim. Oh, not at all. If I could take a second here, just a, a, a quote or two here from the Quran, and uh, the listeners can draw their own conclusions. This is from Woman, four colon uh, forty nine. Um, four colon forty nine is like a, um, a, a, a a referral to a section like in the Bible, uh, and so you could go to chapter four, line forty nine, you get a verse there. Uh, and it's quote: If they neither withdraw nor offer you peace, nor restrain themselves from fighting you, seize and kill them wherever you encounter them. We give you clear authority against such people, and that encourages the Muslims to go after folks who are not Muslim, and if they don't convert, kill them. That's what that means. Um, right to the here's point. Another one from, that's right to the point. Here's another one. Repentance, 9 colon 5. Wherever you encounter the idolaters, kill them, seize them, besiege them, wait for them at every outlook uh, post. Uh, and, and these types of phrases are just interspersed throughout the Quran. Between the really bulk of the Quran, which talks in, in nebulous uh, manner about loving God and God loving you, and that's where the most of the um, the Quran gets its reputation as being a book of peace. Uh, in fact, it is a book of violence. Um, there's one other thing that is important here, and it's not from the Quran, but it's from the guy who wrote the Quran. Mohammed. And it's a quote from Mohammed. Different prophets have sent, been sent by God to illustrate different attributes. Moses is clemency, and Christ is righteousness, his omniscience and power. None of these attributes, attributes, however, have been sufficient to enforce conviction. And even the miracles of Moses and Jesus have been treated with disbelief. I, therefore, the last of the prophets, am sent with the sword. Let those who promulgate my faith and enter into no argument or discussion, but slay all those who refuse obedience to the law. And that's from page 58, The Life of Muhammad. Um, and that is where the folks who understand the Muslim religion refer to it as the religion of the sword. That is far from being a religion of the peace. Right. So he mandates terrorism as a way to serve Allah. That's what the Quran is about. And of course, your book has uh, some interesting characters. Let's talk about them and how all this that we've already talked about is incorporated into your plot line. Let's, let's find out about Jen. Jen is my protagonist, um, a woman, uh, not unusual in this day and age in thrillers, but uh, in past it has been unusual to have a woman as a, as a protagonist. Um, and she's uh, a, uh, a, a conservative woman. Uh, she uh, would just like to sit back in her store in Catalina and sell jewelry. Um, and uh, along comes a terrorist cell in um, Catalina, they've set up in the in the interior, and she stumbles upon uh, evidence that there's something really not right about some folks who are uh, uh, working in in Catalina, and um, 
concludes that there's something that needs to be looked into, but she can't convince anyone. Uh, and so she takes it upon herself to uh, uh, gain more information about these folks and gets involved in tracking uh, several of the uh, terror cell members. At the time, she didn't know they were terrorists, um, but ultimately finds that out when she's on a helicopter uh, going from Catalina to um, the mainland, Long Beach, and uh, the guy she's sitting next to who she's following, and he doesn't know she's she's following him, um, pulls out a uh, an actuator, which is more like a detonator, and he's going to detonate a bomb on a on a boat that the helicopter's flying over, a ferry boat with about a thousand people on it. Um, and so I've tied this woman who's, you know, just working as a, uh, you know, as an everyday type person um, into being involved in a terrorist plot. And 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 uh, the logical conclusion from that is, if it can happen to someone like Jen, it can happen mm-hmm. to anyone, and it will. And her husband ends up uh, mixed into the whole thing, a prime murder suspect. Yeah, um, I, I needed to have a person in the story who had uh, background, who. Um, would have information in, in the background and, and skills that would not typically have uh, Jen would have or a person like Jen would have. So I made him a, a uh, uh, former military person and um, he gets uh, involved in it uh, kind of like a helper to, to his wife. But as he gets dragged into this thing, it becomes evident to the authorities that this guy could be uh, a prime suspect to a murder. Uh, one of the terrorists gets murdered on the island, and he is dragged into as being possibly the murderer of that and is uh, not apprehended, but he is considered the prime suspect for that murder. Well, it looks like it's fast-paced. It's got a lot of action in it as well. Uh, I, yeah, I intended to do that. Uh, I, I wanted to write a thriller that was a thriller that folks could relate to. Uh, and I'm not being derogatory to other thriller writers because there's a lot of great writers out there. And you know, today, one of the best uh, passed away, uh, actually a couple days ago, uh, Tom Clancy. Um, but a lot of their stuff, when it gets into the thrilling aspect of it, kind of borders on science fiction and gets kind of not real believable. I wanted my thriller to be believable, that folks who read it could say, well, geez, this could really happen to me. Uh, you know, I'm just a normal person. And so I made it fast paced, but I intended it to be believable. So this Saudi born cell leader, he's got a team of scuba gear toting suicide bombers. They're held, they're holding up on Catalina Island and uh, there's going to be a lot of high speed chases and all kinds of encounters. It sounds like that's true and and but they're they're not the normal uh high speed type encounters that you might read It's not cars we're talking about an island the only way to get to it is either by helicopter or, or boat and so um these uh scuba divers they're not really scuba divers um but they pretend to be and if you think about it uh, if you want to have blow up a boat the size of a like to carry about uh, you know a thousand folks you need a pretty good sized bomb and how are you going to carry that on the, on the boat? 
Well, it dawned on me, because I've gone back and forth to Catalina hundreds of times, that there are divers that go back and forth. They go to Catalina to dive. And what better place to put a couple hundred pounds of explosives than in a um, tank that the divers use when they go down? You know, this, this thing is probably, you know, 22, 23 inches long, uh, 7 or 8 inches wide, and it's heavy and it's thick as you would have a, a bomb in it, and you stack, stuff that with, uh, with explosives, and that it makes a huge bomb. And that's what the terrorists were going to use to blow up the, um, uh, the ships. Well, we've got quite a trio here with uh, Jen and her husband, Bill, and then you have uh, Tiffany, who's kind of a gun-happy sidekick to, to Jen. It sounds like... Uh, Pretty serious, yeah. but there's some humorous times in it as well. That's 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 correct. And again, I wanted to add that dimension into the thriller. Uh, some thrillers just you know, one scene after another, and it gets uglier and uglier and uglier until there's a conclusion. I wanted to throw in a uh, little bit of humor, and um, that is Tiffany, uh, uninhibited, attractive <laughs> uh, um, woman in, in her own right. Um, what comes in her head goes out her mouth, uh, and uh, she's uh, fascinated with uh, with guns. And she actually uh, murders one of the terrorists or kills one of the terrorists in in the novel without any um, you know any 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 concerns at all. Just you know, took the gun out and shot him. Uh, and uh, but she is she is the, uh, the light-hearted element in this book. The title is Avalon Bay, a jewelry hunter thriller. We've been listening to the author, Ronald Von Freiman. Ronald, tell us how to get your book. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's available just about anywhere. Um, it's on Amazon, uh, so you can go online and get it. And you, get it you can order it uh, in two hard copy uh, versions, a, a hardcover and a softcover, or you can download it to your uh, computer or to uh, a handheld uh, uh, nook or something like that. Uh, or you can go to, to Barnes & Noble or any uh, bookstore. There aren't a whole lot of bookstores left, but Barnes & Noble seems to be hanging in there. Uh, and uh, get it there. Uh, often um, they're out, and so they'll order it for you, but you can, they get it in a day or so. Well, Ron, thank you so much for being with us on Author Talk. Oh, I really appreciate the, the opportunity, and uh, it's been uh, been a good talk with you, and uh, I thank the folks who will listen to this.